people, when I was in corporate America, I was like at Vanguard or wherever it was. And, you know, you have like a portfolio you can pick from and it's all stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. And that's all I ever thought you could do until about 10 or 12 years ago when I learned these things called self-directed IRAs. Self-directed means that you can, you can invest in a lot more things than just stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And one of the awesome things you can invest in is real estate. So you can let, you can be the bank, you can lend to somebody, you can buy a rental with your IRA, you can invest in a note, you can create a note, you can do all the creative things that we do every day uh, in real estate investing anyways, and you can do it with your IRA. And the key is finding a custodian um, that allows you to do that, but it's totally self-directed. So instead of relying on like a financial planner or somebody like that, I took control of my own retirement and, and I've taught many, many other people how to do the same thing. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Lee, and my guest today is Jim Ingersoll. Welcome, welcome Jim. Annette, it's great to be with you this morning. Thanks for having me on your show. I am so excited to have you because I watched uh, your presentation at the W2 Capitalist Summit this year, and it was amazing. You know, you, like my mind was exploding after watching that on you know, all the creative stuff that you shared with us. Well, it was great. I'm really glad Jay put that on and doing it virtually when we're in the pandemic was great timing. So it was really great to be on that show and Jay did an amazing job hosting it. Yes, I think he did an amazing job. Um, so guys, let me tell you a little bit about Jim. Jim is a successful real estate entrepreneur, author and podcaster from Richmond, Virginia. He has bought and sold hundreds of houses, wholesaling, flipping, and buying to hold long-term. Jim loves the all aspects of creative winning transactions with creative real estate. Uh, Jim is hosting Dealmakers uh, 2021 on February 18th to the 21st in Richmond, Virginia. That is exciting. I was looking at the website. Thank Tell you. me about that event. Well, it's really good. This will be our ninth year doing it, which is unbelievable. And um, it's just, it's an amazing event. It's a great way to build your network. Like I always tell all of our, our folks that your network equals your net worth. So it's really important and it's a great way to do it. So you work on intellectual knowledge and then you work on relational capital at the same time. You put those together and you can do really well. Oh, that's awesome. That's one of the things that I preach, networking, networking, networking. It's so simple, but I didn't know it at, at, my, at a young age. I didn't learn it till later, but it's so Oh, absolutely. I didn't learn it until last year, and right. it has changed everything. So uh, definitely something I, everybody's asking me, like, how did you, you know, get farther? I'm like, networking, you know, yeah. getting to know other people doing what you're doing, and the other people will recommend other people, and then you grow your network. So it's amazing. That's a the best thing to do if you are trying to uh, grow. Yeah, I think it is. It's absolutely awesome. It's the way to do it. And, you know, Jim Rohn got me thinking about this several years ago when he said, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
And that is your inner circle and your network. And it's so important. If I knew that in my 20s, life would have been a lot faster for me to get to where I got. <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to be, even these five people doesn't have to be like your neighbor, like people that you see. Like, for example, I consider Jay, which I only met once, but we meet online every week to be one of these influential people on my, on my circle. Uh, because my neighbors are not into real estate. My, you know, yeah. childhood friends are not into real estate. But, you know, you can surround yourself virtually with people that, um, that are like-minded and learn from them. You know, and you can do it via Zoom. Like everybody's getting used to communicating uh, via internet now. So I think it's going to get easier for a lot of people to get into Zoom calls. Like before, it's like, I don't want to download the program. I don't want to get into this. But I think after this pandemic, everybody's going to be more willing to do stuff online. Yeah. And I mean, that's the beauty of podcasting as well. I mean, you reach a whole lot of people. And, you know, I say those five people are really important. I'm not saying like you should reach, not reach out and try to impact people that have severe needs. You mm -hmm. should always do that also. But think about the people that can influence you and help you move forward. People that want to like lend a helping hand and solve problems and build your business. Those are the five people I'm talking about right now. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jim. So I want to know now, how did you get into real estate? Tell, tell us your uh, story. Well, I mean, I, I started off as an engineer. So I'm an electrical engineer. I got a master's in engineering management and climbed that corporate ladder a long time, too long, way too long. But, um, you know, growing up, my parents told me to uh, work really hard. My dad was super hard worker. He's an architect and, and get a good education and be, be a good employee. That's what I learned in college is how to be a really great employee. And I was, I was a great employee. But growing up, I also watched my dad uh, buy some real estate, he bought some duplexes and uh, watched him. He made it look so easy that <clears throat> when I got really sick and tired of corporate America, like we were expanding and then we were laying everybody off and it just got so tired of it. Um, and the last job I had, I was running two factories. And I had to close both of them. And it's, it's no fun to lay off hundreds of people. It absolutely sucks. And I just said, that's it. So made the decision to go back into real estate and, and go full time. Um, I, before that, what led to that is I was calling franchises. I was calling all these different things and all the franchisees and stuff I was talking to and that they were like, all they really owned was a job. And I really wanted something that would provide me with like a pathway to financial freedom. And all those years in corporate America, I just kept socking away my 3% into my 401k, but it didn't really grow very fast because I couldn't leverage anything. And once I understood like leverage and financing, then I knew I was going to be hooked on onto real estate from the beginning. Oh, and I'm so very excited for you to talk about that a little bit later <laughs> on the show because yeah. it blew my mind. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know, if you know, but I'm an architect. I did not know. See? Yes. Yes. Like your dad. And my brother is a mechanical engineer and my husband is an architect and my father-in-law is an architect. My mother-in-law is an interior designer. So we are all like in the ah, same field. That um, is amazing. Yes. But my, my family in Peru owned real estate. And even though I never really realized it never interests me, once I looked, once I started doing it and I'm like, you know, why did you, like people were asking me why? And I'm like, well, my family did it. I just never thought of it. So it's, it's funny. The Deal.
All right, so let's talk about the deal. Tell okay. Your deal. Where, where is your deal located and what type, what asset class? Um, all of my deals are in central Virginia. So uh, all of my buying holds are in Richmond. So if the market switches and, and better deals come open, I may be heading your way to Florida. We'll see <laughs> later oh, this year. Let me know. Let's do something <laughs> together. I, well, I gonna, love Florida. Right now it's super expensive, but I, I can wait for the prices to go down. I think they are going to come down. So there's going to be great deals later this year, I believe. So maybe I'll join you. We'll see. But no, I'll tell you about one of the ones in Richmond. Um, it's some apartments, a small apartment building. And uh, I'll be happy to share that whole story with you. Perfect. So how many units is this? This one is only three units. Three units, a triplex. Excellent. All right. So how did you find this deal? Well, it's, I kept driving up and down the road and there was a, um, I didn't know it, but there was a for sale by owner sign in the, in the window. Um, and it's in an area that I've been investing in for a long time. It's in the Churchill area of Richmond. It's a nice area. It's gentrified tremendously over the last five to 10 years. And, uh, you know, that's a good tip too, is if you can sort of get your investment criteria into an area that's uh, revitalizing or gentrifying, um, then you'll enjoy the escalation of prices down the road. But this one uh, was a friend of mine called, his name was John, he's a wholesaler. And uh, he called me and said he, he had this property who was on the corner of Chimborazo Boulevard in Richmond. He thought I'd be interested in it. And uh, he called me and, and I took a look and it was really good. <laughs> so it had a for sale by owner, but you didn't notice it. So your friend you know about it. I never saw it. I never saw it until I went to go look at the house. It was like really small. And I think it was like uh, inside the storm door, um, but somehow John found him. John, John's a wholesaler I've worked with a number of times. And so it was totally off market, was not on the MLS. If it had been on the MLS, it would have had multiple offers and would have been way too expensive. Absolutely, yes. Those for sale by owner are like gems. Yeah. I were you driving for dollars or were you just driving by and you just never noticed it? I never noticed it. And I have other properties in that area. I work in that area a lot, but it was very small and it was behind the storm door on the front door. I never saw it. I'm not sure how John connected with him. He does a lot of probate marketing, so it could have even been a probate. I'm not sure. Okay. And the other thing that I was going to tell you, um, you mentioned that you knew the market, like you drove by and you, you, yeah. you knew it. And that's so important because as soon as you know your market and you see a price, you know immediately if it's a good deal or a bad deal, if you are like, if you know uh, the market completely, right? So, you don't have to go home and do the numbers and you know, check it out. If you know your market immediately, you know it's a good deal and you can move forward. Yeah, no, absolutely right. So this is three apartments, um, one right on top of each other. And the top two apartments were not really that bad of shape, but the bottom one had a squatter actually living in it. And it was um, a total train wreck of an apartment. So that was sort of the opportunity that, that I was looking at. Right, and the, um, probably a lot of people didn't want to deal with that. So you had that uh, edge over them. Yeah, and, and the nice thing about having a network that you can rely on, like I relied on John, is he didn't broadcast it out to his whole entire buyer's list. He just called me up and said, I think you're going to want this house. So it's a relationship business. Absolutely. All right. So what was the, um, the price that they wanted and were you able to negotiate? Yeah, they were asking, John wanted $200,000 for the house. And I, I knew the number was 
was close. Um, but I think I bought it for 195. So we bought it for $195,000, three apartments. Um, and like I said, the bottom one needed a needed to be gutted and had a lot of problems. The upper two floors were in pretty good shape. What would be the price of a property like that if it was rent ready? Well, I mean, it appraised um, at uh, 500,000. Holy moly, so, that is amazing. When I was done, it, I did burr. I mean, you're familiar right. with how burr works. Right, you put some money into it also. Yeah, of course, of course. And then, uh, but when we got done and I went into permanent financing, they did the appraisal. So I, I know what it was worth when I was done. It came out um, higher than I expected. Okay, so uh, how much money did you end up investing in the property after you bought it for 195? I would say I probably put close to $100,000 in it. Okay, so you that was a really sweet deal. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I could do one of those every week, but I can't. Yeah. It was a good deal, but it needed a lot of work. I mean, we did the roof, the windows, the, the siding. We did three, uh, three apartments with new heating and air, three new kitchens, three new bathrooms. Um, all new flooring, painting, lighting, you know, and everything was fully permitted. And so it was, it was a pretty good, uh, good size project construction wise. But when we were done, we had a really nice product. Yes. Okay. So now the question I've been waiting for, how yeah. did you fund it? Oh, how did I fund it? Okay. Well, I didn't use my own cash. I really like the leverage. Leverage is one of my favorite components of real estate and everybody should learn to use other people's money. So the way that I normally do my burr is I will borrow privately um, for the short term and then I'll pay that money back when I go into permanent financing with a bank. So normally uh, I pay eight to 10% interest and um, usually no points, but I may pay one point once in a while and I'll do that. And it was like a six or nine month loan. Um, short term with a private person. A lot of times that's with a self-directed IRA, which is your favorite topic now. So I probably, I, I don't remember who it was, but it could have been a self-directed IRA, uh, like a Roth IRA or something like that that I borrowed from for six to nine months, paying probably eight to 10% interest. Okay, so please share with everybody, how does that work? Because a lot of people have IRAs and a lot of people have 401ks as well. Mm. And actually right now with the stimulus, people are, be, um, are able to uh, tap into their 401k without any penalties. I don't know actually, because I don't have an, an, an IRA, if you can also, if there is any advantage right now with the IRA, but um, tell us how that, that, that works. Well, so, you know, most people, when I was in corporate America, I was like at Vanguard or wherever it was. and you know, you have like a portfolio you can pick from and it's all stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. And that's all I ever thought you could do until about 10 or 12 years ago when I learned these things called self-directed IRAs. Self-directed means that you can, you can invest in a lot more things than just stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And one of the awesome things you can invest in is real estate. So you can let, you can be the bank, you could lend to somebody, you can buy a rental with your IRA. You can invest in a note. You can create a note. You can do all the creative things that we do every day uh, in real estate investing anyways. And you can do it with your IRA. And the key is finding a custodian um, that allows you to do that, but it's totally self-directed. So instead of relying on like a financial planner or somebody like that, 
I took control of my own retirement and, and I've taught many, many other people how to do the same thing. And that's probably true for the private money loan that I used on that apartment building. Oh, wow. That is amazing. So you basically take your IRA and move it into a self-directed account. Right. And then once it's on that account, uh, you have to use a custodian. Can you explain why uh, the custodian is needed? Well, the custodian is there because there are some rules. Of course, there's some regulations, um, but all they really do is sort of hold your money and they help you transfer your money back and forth. Um, so in this case, I, I was borrowing money, but I've also loaned money out of my IRA. It's, very, it's a very easy transaction to do is to loan somebody some money. So let's say you, you had the apartments in that and you needed uh, $275,000 and you came to me and said, Jim, will you, will you loan me some money on these apartments for the next nine months? And I'm like, sure, I'll do that from my Roth IRA. And so I just do that and you pay me 10% interest for those nine months or however long the loan is. And it's actually very easy to do that. That way I can not, I don't have to rely on a bank as the borrower. You know, it's so, it's so frustrating, um, especially on the initial acquisition of some apartments that need work to go through, do construction draws. Um, and, you know, you got loan applications, rent rolls, all the, all the things that we don't like. And the problem is sometimes stuff needs to close really fast. Absolutely. I and mean, if you have the cash, the cash, your, your offer is going to be accepted uh, faster yeah. than if you just have, a, uh, you have to wait for a loan. Yeah, cash as is offers are always the best. And so if you've got to close fast, like say in 10 days or 15 days, you can't really do that with a bank, not even a commercial loan. You can do it with a line of credit or cash. Um, but I really like leverage and I like using other people's money best. All right. Can you do the same process with a 401k? You could do a solo 401k if you don't have any employees and you don't have a job. Um, but you can also take your 401k. What I did is I had a 401k from corporate America and I just rolled it, the whole thing over to a self-directed IRA. And once it's there, once it's like, I, I use Quest Trust. And once it's at Quest, then you can, you can literally invest in a lot of different real estate investments that you want. You can buy something, you can loan money, you can, you can do a note. Um, all of those are good. You can do what right. you do best. So when you, what are the terms that you look when you are lending the money, when you are the bank to other people? Um, usually, well, I, I don't loan a lot. I have loaned, um, but I can, I can also, as an investor, I can just buy stuff. You know what I mean? In my IRA. So my IRA owns houses that I rent. Um, to me, I like doing that even better than lending. But the, if you're, if, if you're not a, you know, on the street real estate entrepreneur making deals all the time, then lending works out really well because you get a great return, like 10%. Um, you know, even at 10% interest, your money doubles every, every 7.2 years, knowing the rule of 72 and how compound interest works. If you can double your money every seven years, that's, that's a strong return. Absolutely. And if you add in a point, um, on top of that, if you did 10% one point, then you might double your money every five years. I mean, so it's really, compound interest is powerful. And when you don't have to rely on Wall Street, especially these days, um, you'll feel a lot better about it. Yes. So I was going to ask you, um, and it just escaped my mind, but mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the other one. What restrictions do you have when you are using your IRA? 
Well, you've got people restrictions for one, um, because they want to keep things, you know, at least an arm length away. So I can't lend money to my own LLC. I can't like mix my money with my personal checking account, of course. And then you also have uh, restrictions up and down your family tree, so to speak. So my parents can't loan money to me. I can't loan money to them. The same thing with my children. However, like as the tree sort of goes out, you can work with aunts and uncles. You can work with brothers and sisters. You just can't really go up and down vertically. <clears throat> There's other restrictions that people need to learn about with unrelated business income tax and some debt financing stuff. Um, but uh, they're not difficult to, to get around and, and really um, explode your Roth IRA once you know how to do it. That is awesome. Brothers and sisters, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. Definitely. Yes. Aunts and uncles have been really good for us as well. Yes. And I have, to, yeah, I, I wrote that down really, too. Yeah. It's a nice way, you know, some people say don't, don't lend or borrow to your family, but um, Annette, I've, I've had really good experiences doing it. So I know some people that won't do family and friends. Um, I've always taken the approach that if I can help juice up somebody's retirement account and I really take care of them, then why wouldn't I help them? Right. And you just said something that was my other question. Yeah. Uh, just to clarify, this money that you're using on your IRA has to stay on the IRA. It's not like you're taking yes. that money out, correct? No. All the profit goes back to your IRA. The rents and then the profits from the bird, yes. yeah. if you sell it, all of it. So this is a way to prepare yourself for the future. And really, I, and think of it like if you don't need it, once you have financial freedom, you don't even need a retirement account. But isn't that a nice way to build a legacy for your next generation and really change your family tree for multiple generations potentially? Because if you can if you can give somebody a Roth IRA after you die, that's like a tax-free checkbook to them. Yes. Yeah. And that's a nice gift to give. Yes, I, I call Quest after your presentation and yeah. I had a talk with them. Um, right. I just have to find the right way to do it for me because you know I don't have an IRA, so I would have to yeah. move my 401k. But yes, they, they mentioned that that once you can give it to one generation down, right? Uh, and it's tax-free. Yes, it is. So it's like giving a really good tax-free inheritance to, to your kids. I you think so. Or grandkids. You know, people are living longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's true. All right. Um, so let's go to the next question. What's your exit strategy on that triplex that you bought? Okay, I still own it. So um, I'm going to hold on to it a good long time. It's really good cash flow. We built out three beautiful apartments that uh, they're really, really nice. And um, a lot of my rentals that I do are more upscale rentals now. Um, so all three floors are rented to nurses and they're on the front lines these days. I so appreciate all of them um, greatly. All of our residents there, there's uh, VCU Medical's not far away. It's a really great hospital. Um, where my daughter used to work. It's a great hospital. So all three floors are nurses. The basement I use for travel nurse, which is a little uh, different niche. I really like that as well. And then the upper floors are nurses also. So they're really nice. They all have granite countertops, brand new appliances, stain, you know, stainless steel, ceramic, nice wood floors. They're really nice apartments. And because they're really nice, I can get at or above market rent, um, which works out really well. So they're 
the rent is really, really high. Um, the three apartments rent for over $4,000 a month. Oh, wow. And they've been really good. So you know the numbers, right? You know the 1% rule and stuff. So if I'm in it, 275 or 285, whatever the number is, um, if I'm You're renting it over 4,000 a month, um, that's a lot of cash flow. And that's why I want to hold on to it. So I've got equity, uh, day one, I don't have any of my own money in the deal. And I've got a lot of cash flow coming in every month. Okay, so just to clarify, so all that you're saying you have a lot of cash flow coming in, but that is going to your IRA, correct? No, this is not a deal in my IRA at all. Oh, okay. So it's, you by, it's on through an LLC. Oh, okay. So I borrowed money from an IRA on that first part of the Burr process, like the buy rehab rent portion. And then when I refied with a commercial bank, all of that got paid back. And I oh. went into permanent financing at like five oh. percent. So you bought this one under your name and your, your personal name, not your IRA. No, it's owned by my LLC. Okay. And, but you use somebody else's money, not your IRA, so that right. you can uh, enjoy the cash flow. So this is like a different strategy too. Yes. Because you can just borrow the money from somebody that has a self-directed IRA, right. do your projects. Right. And then you can enjoy and you don't have to be tied with the IRA regulations. Right. So that's why the, the IRA that I worked with is just a lender. It's just my short-term bank, so to speak. And then, um, you know, the hard part of like a $100,000 renovation is making sure you've got enough money to do the rehab. And the way that I borrow is I get the, all of that up front. And then I can go through the rehab. I can rent it. And then I can go into permanent financing with a commercial bank. That's how I hold it long-term. Okay, and do you do uh, an interest-only payment to this lender or value? How do you? Term, like six months, yes. Mm -hmm. So do you don't do any payments for, through six months or you do in, interest? No, I make payments, but it could be interest accruing. I've done it both ways. Okay, so you I've have options. Some, I've done some people that don't want payments. So, but um, I, think, I think it's better to pay people monthly, but some people don't want that. They just want to be paid off at the end. Well, if you're using an IRA, they are really not looking at the money, so they might as well yeah. just get it all at the end. But if you are dealing with somebody that is, they are giving you their cash, they might want the payment as a, to make sure that you are going to be uh, paying yes. them. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Okay, awesome. Agree. So I we do that short-term loan. It's like a six, six or nine-month project. And then once the apartments are all rented out, then I can go approach a commercial lender. They do a brand-new appraisal. Um, and then you go into permanent financing to hold the property long term for as long as you want. Right. Uh, all right. So I have one question about you mentioned that you like to invest in areas that are up and coming. So yes. how do you gauge which areas are these? So for the new people that want to start and they don't know where to buy, how can they identify these areas? That's a really good tip. You got to really think through your investment criteria. Like what do you want? You want single families? Or are you just going to buy anything, anywhere? I don't think that's a good strategy. I used to do that myself. Um, but now I've gotten a lot more focused and I'm really looking for areas that are, that are revitalizing and gentrifying. I think the way that you find them is you got to really pay attention to your local community. You got to really know it or you got to rely on your network to help you understand it. Like if I were to come to Florida in your area, I would have trouble figuring out where that's at. But in Virginia, where I live, it's, it's a lot easier. So I read online a lot. There are online like business um, 
newsletters that come out every day. And you can watch where the commercial developments are. And that's one of the tips that, that I use. So I'll watch where people are, are creating commercial developments um, and see what's going on. So if there's other people either building brand new apartment, new construction, or if there's new coffee shops going in or whatever it is, um, I'll look for those kind of opportunities and kind of target those areas. The other thing is when you're driving around, just pay attention to where all the dumpsters are. If you see a whole bunch of people rehabbing houses, there's a good chance the prices are gonna be going up and it'll be gentrifying, those, those neighborhoods will be changing. This isn't an area that, that used to be kind of rough like 10, 15 years ago. And now it's like beautiful, people are jogging, they're walking their dogs, they're going to the coffee shop, and it's just totally changed. Absolutely. Expert tips. All right. Thank you so much for that. So now is the part of the show where you're going to give me three expert tips. All right. Jim wants to give us three expert tips on how to find a deal. All right. So I, I think, um, as you see, I don't think you need a broker and a bank to do a deal. And we've talked through the, the bank part of it. I think everybody could just, just fire your bank and, and succeed. Just get them out of the equation. Don't let them be a roadblock. But the other person you can, you can start thinking about, and I'll talk a little bit about buying houses from realtors, but don't get caught up in thinking that every great deal hits the MLS, because they don't. The one I just gave you an example of never hit the MLS, never. That's really my favorite way to buy. I like buying houses in people's kitchen directly with the people that own the house or on their back deck or in their sun porch or whatever. You know what I mean in that? That way I don't have highest and best. I don't have multiple offers with 15 offers coming in. It's like, let's make a deal today with the person that's selling the house. And that usually starts with a motivated seller. So here's the first tip. I think in today's environment, the number one um, best way to find a deal is through burned out landlords. Not like professional landlords like you and that, but maybe people that are um, aging a little bit and just they were probably struggling a bit before the pandemic and now they're like scared to death they don't know what to do i had somebody call me yesterday a, a landlord and he said you know he was struggling a little bit before the pandemic and now he, he's having trouble collecting rent and then he saw on the today show this whole thing about the rent strike and evictions are on hold and regulations are changing and now he's like I've, really i've got to sell and be done with this so that's my tip is find the burned out landlords. And you can do that. You could look in um, Facebook Marketplace or Zillow. Don't just look at the houses um, that are being sold, but look at the ones that are being rented. Look for, for rent signs while you're driving around. And if you see a little handwritten sign that says for rent and a phone number, call it up. And just say, instead of renting, um, would you like to sell that house and be done with this? And be, be that conduit to, to provide the solution um, in today's environment. So I think burned out landlords going direct are a huge tip for everybody. Um, it, you know, how do you get through these people? Because in my experience, every time that I talk to somebody that owns a rental, they are investors and they, most of the time they have more than one. And to yeah. tell you the truth, they want like retail price and they don't want to go any lower than that. So it's, to, for me, it has been difficult to try to get that, these people that own property to try to sell. 
Well, I think there's a difference between like professional landlords like you or I that are trying to expand our rental portfolios and people that own maybe one, two or three properties in their personal name. And they may have owned them a long time and, they, and they're undercapitalized and they don't have good systems. And right now during the pandemic, they're starting to panic. I think it's just starting to set in like, I mean, tenants are starting to like, they want to create unions against landlords and go on rent strike. There are Facebook groups in all, uh, tons of cities for rent strikes. They're hitting the news. I saw it in Pittsburgh yesterday, a video where they blocked the bridge and all their cars say rent strike. I mean, it's a bizarre time. And I think the key is like a professional landlord versus a mom and pop landlord that really just wants to escape, cash out and be done. Yes, absolutely. All right, tip number two. Well, tip number two, um, along the same line is um, always be working on your network. And one of the people you should add into your network are the property managers. Because with property managers, like you said, they, they may or may not be ready to sell right now. They're semi-professional, but there's also a lot of really poor property managers that are destroying properties. And if you put those, those guys on your team and they have the ability to create a commission, by selling a property, then now might be a good time. There's a lot of like small apartment complexes, 10, 20, 30 units owned by say doctors. And they're, they're gonna be struggling right now as well. They may only own one or two of these 10 or 20 unit buildings. Um, but right now, I think everyone is a little bit nervous because they can't evict. And it's getting harder and harder to re-rent your place also because of coronavirus, you know, you got COVID issues. So you can do virtual showings, not everybody's set up for that. So I think burned out landlords in general, but I think also if you could connect with property managers and figure out who those are, you know, go to your uh, apartment owners associations, find them on Facebook, go to the National Property Managers Association, figure out who they are, reach out to them, tell them you're willing and looking for entire portfolios and not just one or two units and you may get their attention that way. Tip number two. Awesome tip. Awesome tip because you just reminded me of uh, my third uh, duplex that I bought. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think they knew <laughs> that they have seen the duplex inside because the listing was incorrect. It had yes. more bedrooms. Great. So when I saw it, I was like, I got to get this quickly. And when I called them to decide if I wanted to use them or just do it myself, they had no idea what they could rent the apartments for. Like they were giving me really low prices and I rented them for a lot more. So I knew that they were not on the ball, I'm gonna call them. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is a great tip. I love finding mistakes uh, in MLS listings. Yes, that's, that's the way I found all my properties. <laughs> yes, it's a great tip you just shared. And the third thing, I will talk about realtors a little bit. My son-in-law Luke's a realtor, so I don't wanna say you can't find deals through realtors, but you know they still have probate deals. People are still dying. People are still getting divorced. Um, I talked to somebody getting divorced the other day. He's got to sell. He's very motivated. So those are still out there. And some of them hit the MLS. The deals on the MLS I really like are pocket listings. And they're realtors. They get them all the time. They know of somebody that wants to sell, but they don't really want to list to the MLS. It might be an occupied rental. It might not be. And I really love pocket listings. But you got to build that relationship so you're the person that they call. It's a relationship business. And everything relates back to your network. So... Put some realtors onto your onto your team 
and tell them to call you when they hear of something for sale that may not be on the MLS, or if they know that somebody's getting ready to discount it, they'll sometimes tell you, and they'll call you. It's a referral-based business. I get, over the years, the majority of my deals were from referral. It could be from people I bought from, it could be from realtors, it could be from a property manager, it could be from a tenant, it could be from anybody. But you gotta make sure people know that you're in the business and you're looking to expand and right. you offer some referral fees and build that relationship and that's that's how you're gonna get your deals today. What type of referral fee do you uh, offer? What I typically do is a $500 referral fee. I, I was talking, and I'd go back to the people, if you buy houses direct, if you're already a discount home buyer like I am, then go back to the people you bought from in 2019. Wasn't that long ago. Reach out to them again and just follow up. This is a follow-up business. It's the biggest thing is just following up with people. And let them know, say thank you again for working with me in 2019. I just want you to know I'm looking for some more houses. And if you know of anybody looking to sell, I want, I want to make sure you know I've got a referral fee I can, I can help you with. Do a Facebook Live video. Tell your, tell your Facebook friends you're looking to buy houses. And if they see a for rent sign or they know somebody, there's, gonna, there's houses in forbearance right now up the wazoo. So some of those are going to fall into foreclosure. And so everybody's going to know somebody that's got job loss or um, financial difficulty coming up. So leverage that network. Awesome. Those are amazing tips, Jim. I think once people see this, uh, this podcast or the YouTube channel or listen to the podcast, they are going to want to ask you more. So they can do that at your event too. They can uh, go to your event and learn all these techniques, right? They can. They go to dealmaker2021.com or they can come to my Facebook group, Real Estate Investor Network, um, and, and join me there. That group is really active. I joined yes. it last week when you invited me and uh, it has so much content and you put out a lot of content too. Yeah, that's going to, it's like, I've got a large Twitter following. I've got a lot of things on LinkedIn, but the easiest way for me to really pour out content is through my Facebook group. So that's, that's where I'm doing it. All right. So where can people find you besides Facebook, LinkedIn, um, an email address you want to give out? <laughs> sure. It's my name at verizon.net. Uh, works very well. So Jim Ingersoll, just like up here, at verizon.net. All right. Okay. All right, Jim. Thank you so much for adding so much value to my audience. I'm looking forward to do another interview. And thank you so much for being here. Annette, congratulations. Thanks for doing your podcast and really uh, being a conduit to help other people succeed. So thanks for doing that. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Have a great day. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Tali, brought to you by Tali Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taliinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.